Mixed Media Movies. Oh, I did it. Perfect. Last minute. <laughs> Welcome back to Mixed Media Live. This is a live podcast happening every Friday at 7 p.m. And right now we're going to hop into an arguing with Reddit segment. Before we had two amazing segments, I think the best interview that we've done so far on the podcast, uh, you know, uh, that was the interview with uh, Leia and Kat uh, on their composition, The Judas Cradle, which is a apparently a torture device. Um, if that doesn't attract you <laughs> to listen about <laughs> their composition, I don't know what will. <laughs> Um, it was it was a is a white knuckling listen white knuckle listen for me at least. Uh, oh yeah, sure. it's it's an exciting piece. I mean, I definitely like I start scrolling through you know all these pieces and like oh my goodness, this is boring boring. I'm like oh wow this is actually pretty you know this is interesting yeah. <laughs> I had no idea what it was. I I did not know the torture device. I, the title is still intriguing enough anyway, but <laughs> yeah for sure. Um, and then Nathan talked about uh, Steam Profit, which is uh, him picking out uh, the best, or what he will pick out is the best Steam indie games. I said that in a weird order, but you get what I mean. <laughs> um, and right now, I'm in the hot seat. You can see the flames around me. <laughs> um, and what I will be doing is reacting to hot takes from around the internet, mostly Reddit, almost always Reddit, uh, because that's where all the hot takes live. <laughs> Um, and I don't, I have not seen them yet. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to pull from a hat of links that uh, my co-hosts here have found for, for me um, about film and media, uh, probably um, something like that. Um, and I'm going to put them up and uh, react to them live. Um, I believe producer wife found me one as well. So I'll be using that. Too. Let's see. Let's pull out of the hat. So let's see what this one says. So, uh, Nathan, do you want to actually summarize this? This is like a whole, <laughs> a whole essay. Don't, you know, don't read the whole thing. It's not necessary. So what it is, is someone saying that most anticipated movies in 2022, the name of the movie is like the first part of each bullet. So like, there's not that much, actually. You can just ignore. You want to read down the list, or you want me to read down the list? I don't really care. <laughs> of uh, 10 movies. Uh, most anticipated movies of 2022 for this particular Reddit user. That would be a fantastic. I'd be. I'd watch that film, Batman and the what, the Umbrella Way to Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the so the, so I I heard about this film. Uh, they just told me it was Robert Pattinson who is uh, starring in this film, and I uh, I think that's a very interesting pick. I really respect uh, Mr. Pattinson for sure. Um, I think he is definitely underrated. I think he got caught up in the stardom of Harry Potter and Twilight, and you know kind of became a meme because he's like, you know, the guy. I didn't actually know that. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know any of those things. <laughs> you didn't know Robert Pattinson uh, was uh, was the, the, the vampire in uh, Twilight? Whatever his name is, Edward no, or something? I, I've, heard, I've heard his name before, definitely. I just like, I and I looked at his face and I'm like, oh, it looks kind of familiar. <laughs> I, I figured I'd never watched anything about him, which I haven't watched Twilight, I guess, but you know, I'll be, I've seen his face before. Don't so, watch yeah. Twilight. But who's he in uh, Harry Potter? Huh? Who's he in Harry Potter? Is uh, Cedric? Um, Cedric Diggory oh, or something? Oh, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was before Twilight. Um, okay. Oh, that's unfortunate, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> He's 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 good in Harry Potter uh, as well. Uh, in Twilight, he's not good. He's not good at all. 
but I have uh, seen him in. So he was in the most recent thing I saw him was in Tenant. And he did an excellent job in Tenant. I didn't like the the film. Uh, oh well, I mean, I, I thought it was average. I gave it a two point five. Uh, sorry, Nolan fans, and I'm a Nolan fan, so. But he was his performance was definitely one of the highlights of that film. Very excellent, nuanced, especially for a big blockbuster movie where he's playing a tropey type character. He just really found the little details in this character that kind of felt like he made them up himself. Um, this little act, this little word, the way he pronounced word, it just disappeared into this this role, um, despite the fact that he was not a major, he was not a uh, you know uh, a leading character, but he still put that effort in. So I'm excited to see him as Batman. I don't know if that uh, I don't know if that's a spicy opinion or not, or if other people are excited as well. I'm not sure what people's general opinion of him is at this point, but I think he's a pretty excellent actor. So that's cool. I don't know anything about the production of the film. Uh, I love me Batman. Like Batman is my favorite hero by far. You know, I love seeing iterations of uh, Batman uh, or Batman-related things. <laughs> and uh, so I'm, I'm kind of excited to see uh, what comes out of this. Although at the same time nervous because it's another superhero movie, and I'm not exactly sure where they're going for what they're going for with it. If this is in the uh, Justice League universe, well, I'm not that excited. If this is, if this is uh, one of those uh, independent uh, uh, DC films, like uh, Joker was, and uh, there was one other one, um, I can't remember what it is, but where they're not inside the universe, but they're sort of a character exploration, I am so down. We can do that all day. So <laughs> that that that's interesting. So I don't know that much about it. So uh, that's my opinion. There, there, the unbearable weight of massive talent i have no idea what that movie is i've never heard of it it's a nick cage no 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 uh with the avengers of nick cage movies that's exciting <laughs> that that description alone is exciting i love meme if it's a meme nick cage movie i love it i i don't like when he's trying to act seriously that is not fun but when he's being a meme it's freaking hilarious uh <laughs> when he's being himself essentially <laughs> That is freaking hilarious. I don't know if the movie's supposed to be hilarious or not, but uh, that's interesting. Doctor Strange, don't care. Next, <laughs> Knives Out Two. Uh, I loved Knives Out One, um, or I guess I should say, it surprised me for sure um, in terms of its uh, structure, its uh, engagingness, its its ability to balance fun and drama at the same time, not being too cornering until the very end. It gets a little bit uh, a little bit sappy, but. Otherwise, a pretty fun film, so I would definitely uh, give uh, *Knives Out* to a consideration. Um, I don't know how I don't know how you could get like I don't know how that could ever like live up to the first one. Yeah, I, I don't I don't I don't know either. I'm not sure where he I mean, when he, when I when I saw that he was going to create a franchise out of this, I was like, I don't know what that means. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's going to be like the same de- detective. I can't remember what his name is anymore, but. Like, yeah. we need another like that was refreshing because it wasn't like the same as every other detective story generally exactly I don't know and I'm not sure that what made the movie special was the detective uh, Daniel Craig's character itself or if it was just the overall aesthetic and tone and everything that just and how unique like you said it was so I'm not sure how if Daniel Craig is supposed to be the the, the reason I watched the next one or something like that. I don't know if I see that, you know, because I think the overall experience was really what made it special. So yeah, that's my opinion on that. Uh, 
Pillars of the Flower Moon. Um, who is this? I don't know anything about it. Sorry. Uh, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. So is this the sequel to uh, um, Into the Into the Spider-Verse? Uh, if it is, look then... It huh? I will look it up. <laughs> yes, look it up. That's the sequel. I'm, I'm excited for that. I, I really liked Into the Spider-Verse. Again, I, as you can tell from me skipping Doctor Strange, I'm really, really, really fatigued by uh, superhero uh, stuff in general. And I'm really, really, really fatigued by particularly Marvel-based content. Uh, that being said, Into the Spider-Verse was uh, independently uh, created by Sony, um, independent of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, although they're starting to cross-pollinate with Disney, which is... Uh, hmm. It's, it is, it's a give, uh, it is giving a me vibes. What? It is a sequel to that, yeah. Okay, yeah. And so, but it was very unique, the the first iteration here. I kind of feel like it might not live up to its uniqueness in the prior iteration. I don't know anything about it again, what's, you know, what people are saying about it. Um, but hopefully it's good, you know. There's a chance I'll see it in, uh, in a theater for sure. The Killer and the Northmen. Oh, those are two separate films. Oh, the killer. Oh, yeah, I've I've seen uh, I've seen some some uh, I've seen the killer discussed in a few areas. Uh, who is that? Who directs the killer? Let's find out. Oh, it's a remake. Okay. Oh, it's David Fincher. That's why that's why it popped up in my radar. Now, last time I saw a David Fincher film, it was uh, quite the uh, <laughs> disappointing experience with Mank. It was it was just not good. Not good. Especially past the first act. The, I, I, I have faith in the guy to do something good. Maybe it was a fluke. <laughs> so we'll see what happens with the killer. Um, I think he's a fantastic director otherwise. If it's a remake too, I mean, probably less room for yeah. whatever it is that you didn't like about Mank. Uh, well, I won't get into get, <laughs> I won't get into Mank. <laughs> That's why I said what, you know. You can listen yeah. to our uh, podcast somewhere out there where Irving gets into why he did not like Mank. Yeah, it's in one of the Oscar episodes if you're, you're looking for it. And yeah, so yeah, there's a good chance, you know, if I see it, I think it's interesting. I'll, I'll see that as well. I, I, I can be anticipated for that. I love I love David Fincher. One of my early uh, inspirations, in fact, I think the people who affect my personal art the most are probably Fincher um for story structure and the use of the the the, uh, the potential usefulness of shock value i would say um, or like how to use shock value in an artistic way um although i don't think it's always uh, sometimes it's a little bit a little bit much but it's probably fincher uh scorsese uh and uh, uh malik are probably the ones it's a weird combination of directors but when it comes to like how like uh, images and writing styles that that come to me, you know, it, it's those three directors that really affect the way I think about things. Malik more for for uh, the presentation of uh, philosophy in film, and then Scorsese for that overall aesthetic that is just so good, <laughs> so good. Um, See, have have you watched any of the uh, Tar- Tarkovsky films that you bought? No, not yet. I might watch uh, one tonight. See- yeah. <laughs> See, that I, I think I think you'll you'll find like him and Malik very very kind of interesting relationship. I'm so excited. You have no idea. I'm really excited. Um, 
definitely a chance I watch a Tarkovsky film tonight. Okay, and The Northman, I don't know anything about that one either. Uh, or I don't know anything about that one. Um, Epping Viking Revenge Tale. It'd be cool. It'd be cool. Thor Love. Uh, is this another Thor film? I'm sorry. Love and Thunder? Is that the name of the film? Thor Love and Thunder? I have not seen... Huh? Uh, is it presumably? Now, uh, I have not seen Ragnarok. And I heard it's actually really great. So I've heard. Um, I've also heard that before and been very disappointed <laughs> uh, when it comes to Marvel films. Like, oh, this one's different. And honestly, I feel like that's said more and more these days, oddly enough. Um, and maybe it is. Maybe I should give Ragnarok a, uh, a uh, look at because it's uh, directed by Taika Waititi. And uh, anything I've seen from him is, uh, is pretty freaking uh, unique and cool. So, yeah, I mean, I probably won't watch it unless there's like some... Like, I don't know. The, the world gives me a reason to watch it. Um, maybe I'll watch it for the sake of uh, of the podcast, maybe. Uh, but I really hate spending money on Disney films. So <laughs> that, that's like, that's probably the biggest barrier <laughs> to entry. Nope. Jordan Peele. I love Jordan Peele's directing uh, so far. He's you know directed two films. Us, which I think most people know about, and then uh, I think you know a lot of people know about. Uh, sorry, not us. Uh, what was the other one? Dang it! Um, get out! Get out! Get out is what most people probably know, and then us probably a lot of people also know um, as well. Uh, great entries into his career. I think Get Out was a little bit fresher, but us was a little bit deeper. And uh, I'm 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 super excited to see what he puts out next. Don't know anything about it. But he's got a very, very, um, uh, almost feels well-seasoned directing style. Or like seasoned, like like a mid-career director, which is surprising from someone who only has two entries. So, um, yeah, definitely would look forward to that. Lightyear, I saw an ad for that uh, before I saw Encanto in the theater, uh, which is a Buzz Lightyear movie by Pixar. I think that's an interesting choice. I am not going to question the uh, amazing people at Pixar thus, you know, yet. They've got a few bad ones, right? They've got Cars 2 and 3. Um, <laughs> and Have you I, watched the third Cars, by the way? Oh, I've, I've, I've caught some things from it on, on TV, and then I was just like, there's no way I'm going <laughs> to... I see. So I don't... I feel like maybe I've watched it. I don't know. If I did, I don't remember it. But I've heard that, like... Kind of the weird part about like at least part of the yeah, part of the weird thing about par, uh, cars 2 right is like it goes from like a racing movie to like is not racing <laughs> right uh it kind of uh i don't know loses its like core identity right yeah i heard it goes back though in cars 3 so i was wondering if that helped in any, in any way interesting interesting i mean from what i remember there's a lot of dumb slapstick humor and just like ah i don't know I mean, the last thing I saw, I mean, the last thing they made was Soul, right? If I remember. Okay, so uh, Soul was good. Um, I don't think it was like earth shattering for me, at least. Um, but I thought it was good. Uh, everything in the Toy Story universe has done really well. Or they've done really well with So we'll see what happens. Uh, Mission Impossible 7. This is a uh, confession. I have not seen any Mission Impossible film. And they look like they might be up my alley. As just a fun action movie that really don't get created as much anymore so i gotta check them out 
Um, I'm not sure if I'll start from beginning to end or if there's like a... Because that's a lot of films <laughs> to commit to. Or if there's like a recommended like top three or something that uh, that I should look at. But if you have recommended Mission Impossible films, go ahead and uh, hit them up in the comments or on our Discord or something. And I'll uh, definitely uh, take a look at get getting those and uh, popping them in for sure. Mr. Uh, What's-His-Face, uh, Tom Cruise, is uh, extremely insane with his stunts. Extremely insane. So <laughs> there's that. Let's see. Uh, Elvis... Black Adam, The Flash, Jurassic World, Dominion. I don't know what the last one there. Oh, I can scroll. I can scroll because uh, this is actually uh, a proper uh, page. Oh, my. Okay. I did not know there were that many. So I'm just going to read through them real quick. <laughs> so we've got uh, Jurassic World, Dominion, The Whale, The Next Goal Wins, Avatar 2, Sonic 2, Hocus Pocus 2, Disenchanted, The Lost City, Bullet Train, the Gray Man, The Bad Guys. Oh, interesting. Uh, Turning Red, uh, Morbus, un an untitled David O. Russell project, uh, The Samaritan, Aquaman, and The Last Kingdom, 3,000 Years of Longing. So basically take the DC uh, Universe films and throw them away. I'm not interested, pretty much. And then Jurassic World Dominion. I am. <laughs> the first Jurassic World hot take, I think, is actually like an okay film, right? Like, I think a lot of people poop on that film for no reason. It's it's got it's just it's just you know stupid fun. You'll probably forget most of the stuff that happens in it. Chris Pratt has charisma. Is really basically the point of that 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 film, and the charisma is kind of engaging. So I don't hate the first Jurassic World, but the second Jurassic World was literally torture watching it in the theater that was horrible so i will probably not trust them ever again with my money <laughs> uh, it was literally an incoherent film <laughs> avatar 2 i'm hyped to see what james cameron does the dude can save cinema single-handedly if these projects go really well uh he took a huge risk front-loading all the avatar films that he was gonna make he's been literally making them for the past decade um, all back to back to back to back. I think he's making four films, if I remember, four films total, I believe. Um, <laughs> and uh, so we'll see how they are. I'm, I'm kind of tense because I know it'll draw, they'll draw massive audiences. And if you upset those massive audiences in this very, very scary season for cinema, I'm, I'll be very afraid of what happens afterwards. But he has the, the uh, he could single-handedly, uh, the guy breaks records whenever he makes a film. And there's a reason because he tends to use, uh, um, I guess, timeless structures, but in fresh and engaging ways. You know, those the timeless hero's journey, like you know, first Avatar is basically Pocahontas, right? A whole new way of presenting that story, but that is very almost like a primally familiar, if that makes sense. So he he does that very well. Um, I don't care if it shatters my world. I just want to shatter the box office and be a good film, you know, and deserve it. Okay, uh, and I don't know if I have a comment about any of the other ones, really. It's got to get to the next. I'll leave it at that. So this one says, well, I think this one's from uh, from Steph, from Producer Wife. So she says, she she gave me the one that says, uh, higher frame rate animations films are great. They've always hated animations that were 12 to 15 FPS. Anything lower than 24 feels really choppy. Um, 24 is mostly fine. 
but just the bare minimum. And no, I don't mean interpolation. Nobody, nobody likes that. Uh, stop acting like everyone who likes high frame rates, likes interpolation with high frame rates, animation and films. I mean, those that were meant to be watched at those high frame rates, such as 48. Yes, that's a very uh, interesting hot take, actually. So, uh, so frames, frame rate, you know, FPS frames per second is basically how many images makes up a second of, of, a, of a movie, if you didn't know. And so 24 is the standard. Um, it's been the standard practically forever. The way that standard came about was finding, because, you know, it used to be film, like, you know, physical film. And so film is expense was expensive. You know, every frame that you waste shooting is a frame that you have to pay for, right? So 24 was kind of what came to be that the in industry found acceptable in terms of motion, uh, but also efficient in terms of uh, in terms of frames used. Now, Mr. Thomas Edison, who actually invented, uh, you know, film, or at least the process, I should say, he uh, made really terrible films, and his idea of, uh, of of what film as an art could be was were really awful. Um, clearly, just an engineer, um, but uh, he wanted it to be twelve frames per second uh, because he thought that the extra twelve frames were uh, just a, a waste, and that motion was properly translated at twelve frames per second. Now, I obviously I heavily disagree with that. The difference between 12 and 24 frames per second is quite drastic in terms of fluid motion. Uh, but you can also detect above 24 very easily. You know, from 24 to 30 are already feels different. In fact, if you want to test this notion, if you think that I'm lying, uh, pop in a movie on your TV, just a few seconds. You know, any random movie is almost certainly going to be 24 frames per second. And then turn on your news channel and see how they feel. Um, on your TV. Uh, news is 30 frames a second, films are 24 frames a second, and they drastically feel feel different. In fact, some films will have 30 frames per second sections inside the film that basically, uh, like usually it's like a news segment or something like that, something that's supposed to be on TV in the film. And to reproduce that feeling of TV's frame rate, they'll show that segment at 30 frames per second, if that makes sense. So. These things have drastic feeling difference. Sports, 60 frames a second. It, it feels completely different. Feels super fluid, almost like almost like a surreally fluid uh, sports broadcasts usually. Um, at least modern sports broadcasts are usually 60 frames per second. And so on and so forth. Gaming, right? You want as many frames as you could possibly get. Uh, you, you know, people want 100 frames a second, 120 frames per second, something like that. 60 is considered like a minimum, right? So all these frames per second have different feels. Now, the problem though I have with the high frame rate discussion is that there's an association, there are two different discussions that are being had usually, and they're usually being conflated. One is that films feel filmic when they're at 24 because that's the association. Not necessarily that's the, um, uh, you know, that's what's best in that regard, right? It's, it's the association of cinematic is 24 frames a second. The second thing I have to say, and that association is strong, like you can't underestimate that. So when you up the frame rate, like you can't expect people to feel like it's, it, it feels like a movie, right? They might not be able to put their hand, their words on it, but uh, the movie The Hobbit experienced this. I think it was 48 frames a second that they shot The Hobbit at. Um, and a lot of people complained that it was just too weird looking, you know, or like it didn't feel polished. 
which is funny because it has more frames in it. Um, <laughs> uh, or like, you know, there's just something off about it. Some people said they got a headache, which I think is interesting because I wonder if there's a brain expectation uh, difference uh, between what your brain expects to see in a cinema versus what you uh, what you actually receive. So that's all interesting stuff that you have to consider as a as a uh, filmmaker. So that's just on the uh, the association side. Then there's the artistic side of okay, should I ever subvert the 24 frames a second for a specific reason, and uh, you know go a different way for a specific reason? And my answer is maybe. I don't know. I personally can never think of a reason why I would sh not shoot in 24 frames a second. Just art on an artistic level, I really can't think of one. Um, but if you can think of one that makes sense and you can articulate at least somewhat, if you're a director, right, you, I, a good test as to whether or not your idea is, uh, is not just, um, I guess, just you saying it and so it's true is try to articulate your idea and it might be hard but just spend the time to, and just like really spend that time with yourself and articulate why you want to do what you want to do um and usually that'll help you understand uh what you're doing or help you understand that you are fooling yourself and uh <laughs> in thinking that it'll be a good idea to shoot at a higher frame rate i think it's also worth noting that like the same argument that we're, we're making like about film and like cost effectiveness still applies to digital video because space requires hard drives right and uh you know if you double the frame right as double the storage and it's not like that's not like an mp uh, mp4 video right it's like <laughs> these things are massive uh file formats um relatively speaking and then like not only do you have to you know double the storage capacity but also you ten I, I would hope you have multiple copies of the stuff saved just in case something goes wrong so uh then you end up you know you could end up increasing storage by many times the, the video i guess yep for sure like i will never like my youtube process could never be 30 frames a second even that difference between 20 and 30 24 and 30 is just not worthwhile for uh you know, uh, my workflow in terms of uh, the storage requirements, right? And that, that difference in frame number is going to be significant. But I know a lot of YouTubers who do shoot uh, 30 or 60 FPS uh, YouTube videos and they'll put them up and there's a specific reason why they do that. You know, some people are going for that TV look at 30. Some people want that fluidity at 60 for whatever reason, whether it's gaming or there's a specific aesthetic that they're trying to go for. So it's kind of how I feel about like uh, 3D modeling and if I'm pulling a texture from online or something like that, um, and there'll always be like these different resolution set like options, you can get like a 2K texture, the 4K texture, 8K, and sometimes 16K, and stuff like that. Um, and it's like a balance between how much space do I want to <laughs> do I want to use my computer versus how look, how good do I want it to look. And I guess it depends on are we looking how how close are we looking at this texture? Because if it looks like a far away texture, if it's like if it's 1K, no one's gonna even notice, you know. But uh, even when it's close up, I'm like, mm, do I really want the 8K texture? <laughs> Else it takes longer to render, stuff like that. So, yeah. Uh, so that was an interesting question. It's uh, something I've thought about, but I never thought about vocalizing my opinion about. Uh, so that's cool. Okay, I was gonna say uh, I was actually um, I read this 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 post before the sh the show started. That was interesting. It was the first the first uh, comment. That's what's called. Interesting. Oh, what was the first comment? It's on the screen. Up. Here, I'll, I'll, oh, I'll, you took it off. I realized. Yeah, I'll pull it up again. Let's okay. see. So it says, uh, this isn't really any objection to your post, just a cool animation fact that... Oh, I forgot to talk about animation. 
yeah, animation is 12 FPS. I forgot to say that. The reason why, if you think about animation, if you're drawing cells, right? <laughs> drawing 24 versus 12 is a huge difference. But the association with animations, right, is 12 frames per second now. Now, if you launch a 24 frames a second uh, animation, it'll look a little bit weird to you. Although I think it will look a lot less weird than I think your I think your brain is. I've seen 24 uh, four per second animation, and it looks kind of more like a regular, like a you know, in a live action film feel to it because that's your brain's association with that. 12 frames per second is very choppy, and oh, they're talking about Into the Spider Verse where uh, the frames frames change. Uh, Miles Morales begins the movie at 12 FPS, makes him seem bulkier, more awkward, and less smooth uh, than the rest of the characters. Throughout the film, Miles gradually increases in frame rate until the end where he becomes a more skilled Spider-Man reaching 24 FPS like the rest of the characters. I noticed that, and it was brilliant. Brilliant. Brilliant, uh, brilliant work by the animation team there. And that's exactly a good example of how you can use frame rate, you know, as an artistic tool. So I couldn't think of one. There was an example right there. You know, like in like uh, in anime, for example, generally, I guess I guess it's usually when, when things are happening fast, the, the frame rate increases. It seems very dynamic. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like it's ever one frame rate. Uh, mm -hmm. I think that's like why I think that's part of the reason why the 3D Beast Titan Attack on Titan looks so bad. Because this frame rate is like sixty or something. Like that. I don't know. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot faster. I'll tell you that. Yeah. The thing. It's like, I guess maybe it would have looked also wrong because he's three D. And if you, if you reduce the frame rate, maybe it's like a another expedition thing with like three D things, and it shouldn't be like twelve FPS something like that. But I'm assuming that's one of the things because I think that really sticks out like a sore thumb. But yeah, I remember like uh, I was an anime called Fate. Um, uh, um, I was talking with talking about. Uh, talking about it with someone and uh one of the things that are interesting is like oh yeah during like combat scenes like the frame rate increases and that's super cool right because like they put a lot more effort and stuff like that so i guess yeah you can use it uh you can use it during high motion scenes i guess i guess it's desired yeah for sure for sure go ham go ham if you want to use it as a creative tool i'm just saying just you know know what you're getting into you're you're fighting like literally what like a hundred years whatever however old cinema is you're fighting well, more than that. So you're fighting a, a long-standing tradition in terms of association of your brain. That's all I'm trying to, to tell you, you know, um, in terms of uh, being careful for what you ask for. Let's see. This one is pretty short, so you, you can just you know, get, get through it quickly. Okay, good. <laughs> this one says, um, views on spoilers. Is it the first comment, Ben, that... Uh, um. I think basically the main thing is uh, if you go down to like the second second comment, right? We have someone who actually is a spoiler in there, right? Mm -hmm. And the person replies to that and says, "If I hadn't known that this was going to happen, then I, I wouldn't have wanted to go see the film." Yeah, basically that's it. So you have you know the original post I think making a claim that spoilers are not good because they ruin like the you know a film supposed to enjoy it first, like you know, and it's intended format you don't know what's going to happen and then you can go back and appreciate it in a different way later but if you know that at the beginning and you're not watching the film the way it's meant to be watched and you have a person saying that well if i don't have spoilers i might not want to watch the film to begin with yeah uh that's interesting so my, i think i've said this opinion before about spoilers and it's a very strong opinion 
basically, the film was made, unless it's general knowledge, unless it's a, you know, the author, unless it's something that's, uh, um, you know, sort of culturally uh, ubiquitous reference. But, okay, I'll backtrack for a second. When a writer writes a story, they are writing knowing the audience that they're writing for and knowing what that audience knows going in most likely, right? If you're making general audience stuff or you're targeting certain types of audiences, you're going to assume certain types of knowledge uh, going into it. So, you know, when the writer puts the pen to paper, that's what they're thinking of. Now, there's something artificial that happens that they cannot control, right? Is that people see the film at different times, right? So people will see the film. I mean, this is not just spoilers. This is, you know, reviews too, or trailers or synopses or um, critic reactions or actors going around and doing. So all this stuff, you, I mean, all this stuff is part of industry, part of the economics of film. You can't really uh, change that aspect of things, you know, so there's no hope in trying to do that. But what I think you can do to respect the writer's intention um, going into a film is not spoil yourself. You know, if you want to see the film, there's only one time you get to see the film. Like films are meant to, you know, for the most part, I would say, a lot of films are meant to be rewatched, you know, or like at least rewatchability is generally desired, right? <laughs> you know, you can always rewatch the film if you really liked it, right? But what you can't ever do once you spoil yourself is, is spoil yourself, is recover the knowledge starvation that you had going into the film. So you've permanently removed that experience from yourself, which is its native format. That is the native format of that film. Um, again, unless there's some cultural reference or it's a story that's well known, blah, blah, blah. You get what I'm saying, you know, those caveats there. So I think in terms of respecting the intention of the film and watching it in a way that you can't, like it's supposed to be watched, that you can never recover again once you've spoiled yourself, I think it's, uh, I think this person should consider looking at things in a different way. I think for some people it's tension, that they, they, they just don't like the tension of not knowing. I think this, that is essentially a uh, habituation problem, right? So try to loosen yourself up a little bit, um, maybe spoil yourself a little bit less the next film or something like that. I'm, I'm trying not to, I'm not talking down to anyone, right? Like I'm not trying to speak down to anyone or or sound like my my way of watching film is is uh you know grand or something like that i'm just saying that i think we assume certain ways of consuming things are the best for us because we're used to consuming them that way so i just recommend that you try watching them not spoiling yourself as much maybe you can build up that habit um if it's tension that's the problem if it's uh um, I don't know, what, whatever the problems could be, or you like uh, watching the movie in light of what you know will happen, that's something that is that the writer thinks about as well, right? When they uh, when they they write the piece uh, for repeated viewing. So I'd say just try to experience the piece once, the only time you could ever do it. Don't forfeit it, you know, will, willfully. And then if you really love it, you can watch it again and get that experience that you already have, which is knowing what happens, um, which can be a whole different kind of satisfaction for sure. And I, I don't, uh, I don't dispute that. So that's my opinion on spoilers. So 
If you're on the Discord, if you're in the chat, please don't spoil things for people if they don't want to be spoiled. That part, at least, we can somewhat control, you know, uh, spoiling others and trying to avoid spoilers. So that's my opinion. <laughs> okay. I think, uh, <laughs> I think that's pretty much it. We've got to get through news. So thank you guys for, uh, for stopping by at Arguing with Reddit. We're going to hop really quick into the news sec- section. If you want to see that, you've got to check out our podcast. Got to go on Spotify, uh, whatever podcasting platform you like. And you've got to first give us five stars. Then you've got to uh, go ahead and check out the news section for this week because uh, we're going to be uh, talking about stuff that maybe you don't know is happening. So uh, there we go.